Now, in God's providence, He's brought us to this specific passage today at this time. Yesterday we had a funeral where we laid someone to earth, my dad-in-law. And what a glorious service it was. We don't have to go whimpering into death. We can go, go shouting into death. And God's glory, we are shouting as we go in. And in His providence, He's given us a picture of what's happening here too today. Yes, we die, but we are raised to life. I don't know how God does these things, but He's planned that for us in the timing of the church body here. And so today we are celebrating baptisms and what God does through baptisms. And I'll be explaining that very simply to everyone so that our children can understand because I want them to understand as well. So let's look at this passage today. It's just two verses and I'll be very short on them, but I do think we need to look at these carefully. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. 1 Peter 2 verses 9 to 10. I'll read them for you. If you're a believer here today, this applies to you. Take it to heart. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beautiful verses, aren't they? Very encouraging ones. That first little phrase in verse 9, but you are a chosen race. Now, I'm not going to get into big arguments about is this the Jews, isn't this the Jews. That, yes, it did apply to the Jews. But in the New Testament, God says, when you become a child of mine, you become the Jews as well. Spiritual Israel. Yes, we are grafted into the Jewish people, but we need to be born again to claim what God is saying here. We need to be born again. You see, in the past, God had His chosen people, the nation of Israel, and they became a picture to the surrounding nations of God's grace and His mercy. But now, all those who come to faith become the spiritual Israel and God says, you are now my chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You see, God put His finger on us, on you and me, if we are believers. He actually put His finger on our lives when we were still lost and rebelling against Him. God chose us. We did not choose Him. He chose us before all time and we've seen that previously in First Peter. Before we were even in existence, God already knew, I am going to have a relationship with Calvin Yonker. I'm going to have a relationship with whoever it is. They will be my child. God did that. He chose us when He could only find, once we were alive and born, when He could only find filth and rebellion in us towards Him. God chose us. We are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, says verse 9. We looked at that last week. You see, as believers, we are now to what? Starts with an S. We are now to serve our king. We are a royal priesthood. We've got a king we are serving, King Jesus. We are to sacrifice our own lives, how? Daily, to him. 
as we get together here on a Sunday, we serve each other. As we go out in the week, we serve people around us. We bring our lives, lives as a daily sacrifice to our God. Every single day, we serve each other and we interact in a Christian way with our colleagues at work, with our fellow students at school, with just our friends in general, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, and even with the general public, even, yes, that lady who writes out that ticket for you once you've gone over your parking meter um, limit, all right? You don't go ranting and raving. We serve in a specific way to her too, if we're in the wrong. And then thirdly, we see here in verse 9, he says, you are a holy nation. You see, God has, listen to this, God has set us apart as believers to his service specifically. We are to serve the Lord Jesus Christ specifically. God has set us apart as believers. And yes, we must be different to the world around us. It doesn't help going through life and people don't even know you're a Christian. What does that help? People need to see that you and I are believers. We must fly that banner clearly in the sky as we go. People need to know, that man is different. Why? I'll ask him. Oh, he's a believer. What does that mean? And you tell them. They need to see that you're different. If we just mingle with the world and, we don't know, and they don't know the difference, what does that help? We can't be a witness for, the, for Christ at all. We are to be different to the world around us. Why? There's a reason for it. The living God is living inside of us. How can you be like the rest of the world who are going around without God in them? They are dead in their sin. You see, our lives must show the difference, not just our words. All right? That's very important. It's not just our words which must say we believe us. Our lives must show it without us even opening our mouths at all. Our lives must shine out Jesus Christ. And then fourthly, we see in these verses that you are a people for God's own possession. I love this verse. Why? Because... What's being spoken about here is there's a picture shown here of a treasure chest. And God looks in that treasure chest and he says, I want this jewel. And he takes that specific jewel out, that's you and I, if you're a believer, and he says, that is my jewel, it is mine. We are his possession. You see, he bought us at a great price. What was the price that God paid for us? He gave His only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was living with Him in eternity, in heaven. He sent Him down to become a human being. I don't know how that works, but that's how it happened. He became a man. He lived on this earth. And then us human beings, we put God to death then, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the story doesn't end there, and that's what we're going to see today. The Lord Jesus Christ on the third day rose again. And that's why you and I can sit here as believers today and have hope. That is why we could bury someone yesterday and know that we're burying a body, but that body will raise up again and that person, Neville, is already with Jesus in heaven. He's gone before. We are at God's own possession. Why? And this is what I want you to note. Why has God done all this? Have a look at that verse. It says so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. That is why God has done this, so that we will proclaim, broadcast, His excellencies. 
You see, we have a purpose as Christians. Our purpose is to advertise. We are to shout it out with our lives and with our words. Jesus Christ saves. You see, we are to proclaim, that is to shout out clearly and with authority because the King has given us that mandate. God has said, go out into all the world and make disciples. We've got a mandate and so we can shout out this message with authority. We don't have to do it all. We don't need to speak like that because we kind of not sure about ourselves. God has said, shout it out because the King has told you to. You are His proclaimer. We need to shout out His message. What are we to shout out? We are to shout out His excellencies. You see, what is that about? We need to tell people around us who this great creator, this majestic God of ours is. We need to give them a little inkling by telling them, look around you, see who God is. We need to tell them how great his love is for us. What has he done for you and I? Do we tell people what he's done for us? We need to tell them of the gift of new life he has given to us. We need to tell, and the text tells us what we need to say, we need to tell them how he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, there's specific content to our message. Once I was lost and dead in my sin, but Jesus Christ found me. I was helpless, but he plucked me out of death and gave me new life. That's what we to tell them. I was in darkness, he brought me into his light. We are not to tell people about those with this wishy-washy, dairy, little touchy feelings that we have every time we think of Jesus. That's not what we're to say. We're not to tell them about me, mine, myself, that little my message, about what God has done for me. Yes, sure, we're to tell them what He's done for us, but we are to point them to Jesus Christ in everything that we do. And as these people are baptized here in this pool today, listen to their words, and I hope you guys are listening too, okay? Listen to their words. Yes, they're going to say what Jesus has done for them, but they are going to proclaim His excellencies. They are going to broadcast His excellencies. That's what we're here for. So what is this message of baptism about? And here I want you children to help me a little bit, alright? Why do we do this? Why do we have a pool in the middle of a perfectly good building? Alright, there's enough water out there, isn't there? Yeah, especially this year. So why do we bring more water inside here? Are we crazy as adults? Hey? No. We do this specifically because... I must be careful here. I'll be in earlier. <laughs> um, we do this specifically because we've got a message to tell. There's a picture here for us. Alright? And I'll get to you now. Alright? Um, I'm glad to see some energy there. Um, you see... Jesus painted us that picture first. What did Jesus come and do when he came to this earth? He brought us a picture to this earth. Jesus came from heaven. He came to earth. And then men killed him on a cross, didn't they? And what happened to him on that cross? He starts with a D. He died. All right. He died. And how many days was he dead? Who can tell me? Three days. Yep. Jesus was dead. When they stabbed him in the side with that spear, blood and water came out. And that, if you're a medical doctor here, that is a sure sign of death. Jesus died. For three days he was dead. 
And so that is what this water is all about. All right. When these people come down and we put them and they go under the water, that means they are saying, I was dead in my sin. This represents sin. I was dead in my sin. All right. But what did Jesus do on the third day? Who can tell me? He came back from life. And um, is that usual? No, no, it's not usual. All right. Jesus came back from, de- from the dead. He, he was raised up and he was given new life and he was given a resurrected body and he came alive. And so when these people have been in the water, we try not to hold them down too long, all right? And then when we raise them up again, that is a picture of they have now got new life in Jesus Christ. Do you see the picture of this pool here in the middle of the building? It's a very important picture. And Jesus said, there are two things that I leave you when I go. I want you to baptize people and I want you to have the Lord's Supper to remember me. And so we're going to do both this morning. All right? And I'll explain that too. But that's what baptism is about. We die to sin and then we come to life in Christ with new life. All right? You guys got that clear in your testimonies? Great. Now, there's a really, really important thing we need to cover here this morning. And that is this. Everyone that comes into this water is already a Christian. Don't think that by being baptized, they now become a Christian. Baptism doesn't save you and I. Alright, have we got that clear? Baptism is only a picture of what has already happened. This process has already happened in these people. They have already died to their sin. They have already been given new life. This is a picture of their obedience to what God has said. He said, when you believe, you be baptized, show others. It's an obedience step. And so these people are showing that they want to be obedient to God. And you'll hear a few of them saying that too. Because some of these people have been Christians for quite a while. But now they've come to the obedience step. You see, God uses rough sandpaper and smooth sandpaper on us. When He brings us to Himself, He sometimes uses axes and very rough sandpaper to get our attention and to give us that new life. But then as we grow in the Christian faith, He then starts pointing out things in our lives that we still need to fix with Him as He makes us to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ, doesn't He? And that's a smooth sandpaper. Alright? And so one of these, the things some of these people have said is, I've been a Christian, but I've never been obedient to God, but now He's saying to me, be obedient to me in that too. And so now they want to be baptized in obedience to so that's what some of these are going to be doing as well. But please make sure, when, you, when they come in here, baptism doesn't save them. Alright? It's only a picture. We need to be clear on that. Belief in Jesus Christ, that saves you. Alright? You need to believe that you are full of sin and spiritually dead. You need to believe that you need to turn from your sin, that's 180 degrees, and put your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ only. There's the key word. And then you need to believe that Jesus is the only way to God. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself by coming into these waters. You cannot save yourself by coming to church every single Sunday that we have a service. You need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and say to Him, Lord, I am a sinner before you. You need to be my King. You need to take away my sin. You need to give me new life. Otherwise, you will die in your sin. You see, baptism is just a picture. And when these people come up out of the water, they need to go and shout it out to the world out here. 
And you'll see when they come up out of here, it is very invigorating to the soul. It gives them energy. It boosts their batteries, if you want to hear it real clear. All right? Because when you come up here, it is a, such a special time. You have publicly proclaimed your love for the Lord Jesus Christ in front of all these people. And it's a real nervous experience, but it's really worthwhile. It's called spiritual growth. All right? And it kind of takes a big leap here. So as you stand there and you proclaim, you are shouting out your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we, our verse ends. And it says, why do we do this? Remember what you were and what you are now, says our verse. Once you were not a people, you were dead in your sin. But now you are, and we've got a special title now, now we are the people of God. I want you to take note of that. It doesn't say you are now the person of God. It says you are the people of God. It speaks in the plurally. Specifically because you become part of a body of Christ. You are not on your own in this world. And that is why this whole church is here and they are going to witness what's happening here today and they are going to help to keep you accountable. Alright? And so when someone comes to you and says, listen, I'm really worried. I've seen this in your life. Is everything alright in your spiritual life? Take it as that. They are looking at you and keeping you accountable. That is why we're going to celebrate communion too. To remember the Lord's Supper or what God told us to do, His death and dying on the cross, but also to do that together as a church, to keep each other accountable. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, you were dead in your sin, you were going to hell, but now you have received mercy, the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. My last word, and then I am finished. If you're not yet a believer here today, and you, you children here, I'm, I want to speak to you about this as well. If you have not yet come into a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ today, look at what happens here. Try and understand what's happening here. And then ask someone to help you to understand better. Don't walk away here today having seen people baptized and just walk away and think, oh well, now I'll carry on with my life. You don't know how long that life will be. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear what the Bible says today. Come to Him today. Turn your back on your sin and receive God's forgiveness. And then you too can come and tell us about what God has done for you. Alright? Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we now come to this time, this exciting time, in this time of worship before you today, where we hear people proclaiming their love for you, where we see them in obedience going through the waters of baptism and then standing up from there and proclaiming your name. May you be glorified, Lord. May you be glorified in everything we pray. And I pray for anyone here that isn't a believer yet, that you will speak to their hearts now as they see this obedience happening before them and that you, through your Holy Spirit, will bring them to yourself, even this morning. Lord, may they not leave this place. May they be restless until they make peace with you. I pray this in your name. Amen.